It is a drizzly morning in central Ohio, but it's uh, sunshine and balloons for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, they are number four in the poll. Even though they didn't play, they dropped, but they got more votes. Uh, thanks, Joe Burrow and LSU. But it's all good as they head to Northwestern for a Friday night game. Mr. Spielman is back from sunny Arizona. You didn't see any of this stuff out there. No, not at all. I really, what a cool place. I mean, maybe I'm missing something, but I, I just... Traffic's a little awful. Yeah, but, it is. You mean cool in the uh, figurative yeah. sense? Yes, not in I the do. Literal sense. No, it, it was. It was. Uh, I really liked it. I, I. I don't know why I'm not out there right now. Because just my whole body feels better when I'm out there. I don't know if that's age or what, but I know that heat. I feel better. This. I feel awful. Thanks. Thanks, yeah, Ohio. I uh, walk out to get the newspaper when I'm out there at my in-laws and ask myself virtually every morning, <laughs> why don't I live here? It is beautiful. Now that we're doing a podcast, maybe you now can afford to live there. Maybe. That's a long way (laughs) off, my friend. A long way off. Uh, The Buckeyes, uh, the end of their year doesn't seem that far off. We're halfway through. 6-0. It's been nothing but rave reviews. Offense, defense, special teams. Drew Chrisman is great. Uh, Blake Hobbill has been okay. Uh, He doesn't look like a glaring weakness for this team. They're the only team in the country Top 10 in total offense, 535 yards a game. Top 10 in total defense in their second, 234 yards per game. It struck me this morning. I was thinking about new OSU coaches and the initial impression they make. Earl plays for the national championship his first year. Tress wins the national championship his second year. Urban, 12-0 his first year. And I wouldn't bet against Ryan Day being 12-0 when he goes to the Big Ten title game. Well, they're playing Northwestern, right? So Northwestern, uh, I think, averages 14 points a game on offense. And that's only is, because they scored 30 against UNLV. Yeah. So, look, I, I don't I don't think this is a threat. I think it's a nice warm-up game for the big boys coming the following week. That's mm-hmm. the game. And that's that's the, the matchup that I'm looking forward most to. When you look on paper, at least, and from the eyeball test, Wisconsin is a team that can play with Ohio State. Now, I do think this... Uh, Crone, the the quarterback for Cone. Cone for the quarterback for uh, Wisconsin. I don't think he can beat you alone, obviously. So it's Jonathan Taylor, and you make that kid beat you. But I don't see it. I think Wisconsin's defense is really good. Usually, you know, they have the rep. Their defense is different than uh, their offense. Their offense is big and powerful and mm-hmm. blow you off the ball. Their defense is uh, is built by uh, on speed, right? And um, the defensive coordinator. Uh, Jimmy Dave. Leonard, Jimmy Leonard, Jimmy Leonard, yeah, former uh, NFL player. Jimmy Leonard was <laughs> former walk-on at Wisconsin, mm-hmm. who, when I was doing games for ESPN, was a player for Wisconsin. So he does a, a lot of good things with that team, and they're they're really solid on defense. I mean, really solid. They they hammered Michigan State. They sure did. There. So that's the game to watch. And and so the whole thing is, you take Jonathan Taylor out. That's you know everybody knows what the plan's going to be in Ohio State will be tested against a different offense. This is more of two backs and, and a lot of power plays where they're pulling offensive linemen. And the key to defending that is everybody understand their gap responsibility and where the ball needs to go. And if they can do that, which I think they can, I don't think they'll have a huge problem with Wisconsin, but it's certainly the most intriguing and best game on their schedule and will probably be the second best team that they play all year. 
Yeah, Wisconsin will be 7-0 and like the Buckeyes will be. Wisconsin plays at Illinois this weekend. They play at noon, so Ohio State's uh, preparation advantage for the game is minimal. If Wisconsin were playing a night game, you could say you have an extra day, but uh, over the Badgers, they really don't. Uh, the whole thing is, do both teams show up for this game healthy? It's a noon kick in Ohio Stadium. I think... That's probably what Wisconsin would prefer. I don't think Wisconsin wants to get into a night situation or a late afternoon situation where it gets dark there. My question for them, uh, twofold. Number one, athletically and depth-wise, can they hang with Ohio State? And number two, uh, Jack Cohn, 21 of 24 against Michigan State. He's been solid. He's played five straight home games, and he's going to play at Illinois. None of that prepares you for playing in Ohio Stadium. Uh, it only prepares you because he's been playing pretty well, and he fit. I, I think if you look at Cohen, he, there's nothing that he does is like wows you, right? No. But he, you look at his numbers at the end of the game or his efficiency. He protects the football, which is important. You asked about athletically. I mean, it's just they're built different on offense. I mean, they have some skill guys at at receiver. The they big do. kid, what's I forget his name. You Quintez have Cephas, yeah, Danny yeah. Davis. They have some they decent have, receivers, so they're athletic there. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is a superb athlete. But up front, they are who they are. The only thing I know is that up front, every time I go to do an NFL game, there's a Wisconsin offensive lineman on the roster. So there you go. And then on defense, we just talked about it. They're a lot more athletic than they get credit for. They they kind of get downplayed. They're not athletic because they're Wisconsin. No. Right. Watch the film. Their linebackers fly around. They're a really good team. And by the way, every time I do another game, there's usually a linebacker from Wisconsin on there. So uh, see Joe Schobert, for yeah. example, right? Or yeah. T.J. Watt? Or, yeah. No, or is it not T.J. Uh, J.J. Watt? Yeah, T.J. Watt from the Steelers. Yeah, but J.J. Watt played J. J. There as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, they have players. They've got defensive they've, they've players. They've got players. Uh, but uh, that game is a week away. But it's really infinitely more interesting than Northwestern. The only thing interesting about Northwestern, I guess, is that it's a Friday night. It's a great road trip for Ohio State fans. You go to Chicago for a Friday yeah. night game. You can get there in an hour on a plane, and you have uh, all day Saturday in Chicago. And then the other thing Northwestern is wearing, and this is fitting, uh, black Gothic inspired uniforms which uh, it's going to be their funeral, so they'll be dressed appropriately. Nice. I like that. I see I see that. Um, their funeral. Okay. They're, they're yeah. dreadful offensively. And, hey. and this is just proof that all five stars are not created equal. Uh, Hunter Johnson, a five-star quarterback out of Brownsburg, Indiana, went to Clemson, uh, lost out in a battle for the starting quarterback job, first to Kelly Bryant, then to Trevor Lawrence, mm -hmm. shows up in Evanston, and they thought, wow, we got a five-star quarterback, and we're going to – off we go, and he has really struggled. And yeah. uh, one touchdown, four interceptions. They played Aiden Smith last week at Nebraska. They didn't win that game, uh, thirteen to ten. That wasn't at Nebraska last week. It was at Nebraska. Nebraska played Minnesota last weekend. Oh, I'm sorry. It was two weeks ago. I watched it this week on my DVR. That's okay, fine. Northwestern was off. Yeah, I see. I took one for the podcast. Um, I watched Northwestern <laughs> Nebraska. It is taking one That's for the show podcast. prep, baby. Yeah. Wow. All I know, they'll be lucky to keep it under 40. I don't even know what the line is, 28, 29. It was be, 25 and a half. That's and it? Now it's, it? Yeah, now it's 28. Okay. Because everybody was taking Ohio State at 25 and a half. And yeah. I would take them at, well, I don't, don't gamble based on what I say. Do I expect Ohio State to cover that spread? Yeah. Yes, I do. No, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at picking games, but I, I mean, I thought at 25, did, some, did somebody uh, – Misprint the numbers, isn't it? Fifty-two. They've won four games by forty plus and two by twenty-four. Why would they not? 
cover 25 at Northwestern. Maybe they're thinking they're taking a throttle off. I, I, I don't know. But, you know, the, the difference is um, you, you brought up a good point in our conversation, the difference of coaching at Northwestern and the difference of coaching at Ohio State and what the standard is. The standard is if you're if you get to a bowl game at Northwestern, and by the way, you happen to sneak into the not, I'm not even saying the Big Ten championship game, but you're in the hunt, you're winning. Why would Pat Fitzgerald ever leave Northwestern? Doesn't have to. Doesn't have to. He's a you know Northwestern guy, great player on one of their greatest teams ever, at least in the last 50 years. So he is uh, set. For life. We want to thank West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating for sponsoring the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating, servicing all of Central Ohio with outstanding Lennox high-efficiency products. New furnace, they'll give you up to hundreds off, depending on the variety. They can handle new build. They can handle uh, anything that you have in the plumbing realm, in the heating and cooling realm. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating. Find them on the web, westjeffplumbingandheating.com, or you can call them on the phone, 614-879-9606. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating. Great reviews on Angie's List with the Better Business Bureau, and I love the fact they show up on time. They don't keep you waiting all day. So westjeffplumbingandheating.com, 614-879-9606. We always encourage you to review our podcast. really helps us with sponsors and helps us know what you like and uh, how to tailor our content to uh, your desires. This one comes from Softball, 272727. He says, a great first listen. I've always valued and loved Chris's perspective on many things. Football, of course, but life in general. I met Chris when he was a Detroit Lion. Grew up watching him compete. So glad I found this. Yeah, we're glad you found us, too. Yeah, thank you. Go to uh, iTunes and review us. And if you need a tutorial, go to pleasereviewmypodcast.com backslash Spielman and Hooley, and that'll tell you how to do it on iTunes. Speaking of your Lions, um, NFL officiating is in the crosshairs this week. The Browns mm-hmm. lost to the Seahawks, and they were blaming the refs, which is what losers do. But the Lions have a beef on Monday night. Those were close to hands to the face, but they were not hands to the face. And since they reviewed just about everything, should they expand hands to the face to review? Or how do you feel about NFL officiating at this juncture? I think it's under attack. I mean, the game I did, Arizona-Atlanta, there were a lot of questionable calls. But that's always been part of the game. And going back to the Lions' hands to the face, Trey Flowers, right? So mm-hmm. was guilty of two of them. So you usually get the first one. You get the message. Sometimes a D lineman, might, his hand might slip up there, and, and he's angry because he's pass rushing. So he'll just say, I'll take I'll take the flag here and yeah. send my message. Although it's 15. But, but, but yeah, but not, not in the situation. So I watched it closely. It was – the second one was uh, more egregious – bad for Trey Flowers because his hand was on the shoulder pad. Now, the rule states it's not hands to the face. It's hands to the head and neck area from my understanding of the rule. But I've learned something that NFL players are very crafty, smart. They push the boundaries of unwritten rules. If you watch the offensive tackle on that second one, you will see him throw his head back hmm. and sell it. And he got away with it. And they got the penalty. He sold out like there was no tomorrow. And you might say, you might say that, well, that's not fair. Well, how many times do we see defensive players flop around when they get uh when they act like they're getting held and they're not getting held? Like if a guy just punches him a little bit, then yep. he does a flop like he's getting held. So everybody always sells plays. Every pass play 
we see a wide receiver, as soon as he gets up, looks for a flag. Every single one. They look for a flag of, of P.I. So, I mean, do we go to replay on that? I think it makes more sense to go to replay on that than it does to do review pass interference because they're that. not changing pass interference unless it's clear and obvious. And it has to reach the standard that it did in the Saints Rams playoff game last year. It's been because weeks they're since not they going to call it. A PI. It's been weeks. They're not going to call it unless yeah. it's they're giving the benefit of the doubt to the officials. Yeah. But that hands to the face is that's really easy to tell. But once again, people need to understand the rule states it's to the head and neck. So if you're on the guy's neck, then that's a penalty. But he was on he was grabbing the left shoulder pad yeah. and off Defensive linemen are taught to get to watch the Bosa boys. Their hands are inside all the time on the chest. And Trey Flowers said, I was doing what I was coached to do. I did not go to his head and neck, especially in that situation. You want to avoid a 15 all times. I mean, they're driving for the game-winning score. That would that would have made it fourth down if they wouldn't have got that mm-hmm. that bad call. I know all this because I'm actually doing the Lions this week and, and, and really looked at this yesterday. <clears throat> So, yeah, I can see that, Bruce. I, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, if we're going to replay anything, that's the easiest thing. Is he is his hand on his head and neck? And guess what? I have the ability, even the booth, to zoom it in to see if it's on his head or neck. Yeah, and I think the officials, I mean, they don't like the PI review, clearly. Uh, but I think this would be a benefit to them. I mean, it's congested in there in the line. You get blocked. Uh, your sight line of sight gets blocked. And, I mean, sure. I do believe the officials want to get the calls right. Oh, so, absolutely. in that situation, they'd rather get the call right than get it wrong. I don't think that is a reflection on their officiating acumen if you go to the tape and you re- and you change a call like that one. Because, you know, I'm sure from where you the for referee was standing, it looked like his hands were up there. It's fast. It's, you know, and so uh, that was just but, very unfortunate. Yeah. Well, plus, the did you notice that the old lineman threw his head back? Yes. yes. So, he sold it. Of course he did. So he definitely sold. Do you it. blame the guy for selling it? No, I don't. Okay, part good. of the game. That's right. Gamesmanship. Everybody knows the rules. That's right. Going in. Yeah. Like they say in NASCAR, if you uh, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I thought if it's if you ain't first, you're last. Or if it ain't you got to <laughs> rub. If you ain't rubbing, it ain't racing. That's a lot of NASCAR <laughs> colloquialisms. I was not aware of. <laughs> I am aware the Browns think the officials beat them on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. To me, that was the epitome of a team, Seattle, that pays attention to the details and doesn't get deterred by adversity, down 20-6, to against a team that is always looking for some outside force that is the cause of their issues. Uh. Keep going. You're I preaching. Mean, look, I, did, I, Jarvis going. Landry got the vic- was a victim of a terrible call on a crackback block. Yes. But again, and, and did he score down on the goal line? Yes, he did. And did they get the call? No, they did not. But again, in the grand scheme of the game, the Seahawks took over on the one-yard line, went three and out, punted. The Browns got a short field and then scored a touchdown to go ahead. Right. So did they get a touchdown out of that entire sequence? They did. Yes. They blew the game at the end of the half, getting greedy, trying to score not just once, but twice. They would call it aggressive, not greedy. Greedy. Aggressive if (laughs) you do it. Greedy if Who? (laughs) Who? He's hurt. I don't know who Greedy Williams is anymore. Um, And then, you know, 
How about your defense rise up and stop them after you have the lead at the end of the game? Again, Russell Wilson makes the plays he has to make. Seattle's a team that's won two games by a point, one game by two, and that game by four. That's why they're five and one, not two and four like the Browns. I talked to Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray. Um, what are the cousins I talked to this year so far? Uh, Stafford, I've talked to. Carson Wentz, I've talked to. All guys that, at least cousins for the last two weeks, has been playing lights out. And so I asked them about the emotions of playing quarterback in the National Football League. And every one of them says this. You can play with passion and you can be excited when you make a play, but all the time your emotions have to be clear every single play. And never can you make an emotional decision when you're playing that position. And I am going to say this, that Baker Mayfield, <clears throat> I love the talent, I think he's really good, but he's never going to be the best Baker Mayfield if he doesn't start playing with a little bit of control. There's a fine line. So my advice to Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens is the same advice that Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray took. Or Cliff decided to do this. Where you go in and after Seattle, every Seattle Seahawks game, you sit down and you watch Russell Wilson play. And you watch Russell Wilson, his mannerisms, how he plays the game, and more importantly, when to know when the dance is over, when the party's over and you have to go home. That means throw it away or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just throw it away and make decisions. I just don't think that Baker, um, I think he plays too emotional for that position, Bruce. I, I just, agree. and until he gets that under control, and I, you know, I, I know it's a fine line, but it's passion. But I'm just looking at the great quarterbacks in the league. Even Aaron Rodgers, like Aaron Rodgers, might give a fist pump, or you know, he threw the touchdown pass the other night, Monday night. And the first thing he's doing, he's not running down there, swinging his arms and looking to jump on somebody. He's looking over to the coach. What do you want? Do you want to go for two? Do you yeah. want to go for one? Or he might go down and give a fist pump. But everything is is there's no levels. There's no roller coasters. It's a merry-go-round. The level never changes. Yeah. The level never changes. And until he gets that, you're going to get these performances. He can't throw three interceptions a week. It ain't going to happen. No, the highs are great, but the lows cancel the highs. And, again, he needs to find some middle ground. Freddie Kitchens afterwards said he wants his team to play with passion, not emotion. And that's, that's I think, so a true. it's a difficult tightrope to find, but good teams find it. And that's what they do. You now. watch, I mean, watch, watch Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan. I mean, those guys play with passion. But there's no, um, there's at Tom that Brady. position and Brady. There's, there's passion if you come off the sidelines, a hey, great catch, and you're going down the line that way, you know. But to to be chasing a guy down the field after you throw a touchdown pass, and, and swinging your arms and legs and and crazy, I I just I think that carries over. And I know fans like it. Oh, look at the love of the game. Yeah. Not for that position. Please. And that's just my style and the type of quarterback I want because I look at who's successful, 
And who's on the roller coaster? And you look at quarterbacks that are successful, they're never they never waver. Well, quarterback's the ultimate leadership position. People take their cue from oh, the leaders around them. It's hard position to play, them. man. It's, I would I would say it's the hardest position in sports All to sports, play. Yes. And so, if you're a leader and you're emotional and you're hot, cold, high, low, why would your team not take its cue from you? They do. And so, it does not serve the Browns well. I will say this: I've not given up on the Browns. Uh, although the Ravens now getting Marcus Peters uh, in a trade yesterday. And uh, the fact that the Ravens are getting progressively further ahead of the Browns. But here's the thing. The Ravens have four wins over, let me see if I remember this, Bengals, Steelers, Mm -hmm. Dolphins, Cardinals. The Browns have not played any of them yet. Those are four teams that you would think the Browns could beat. Second half of the season lightens up. Nothing's, you know, easy in the immediate future. It's an off week this weekend, and then it's at New England. Uh, but I have not given up on the Browns winning the AFC North. They're not going to be a wild card team uh, at two and four, so they got to get ahead of the Ravens, and they've got a game in hand against the Ravens, and they won in Baltimore. Yeah. So it's not it's not dire. It's fixable, uh, but it just it it needs to be turning around. I think you can drop to two and five, but boy, then you really yeah. need to make well, some the AFC the North is is not very good, right? The AFC North is is really awful. To be honest with you, I mean, it's, the Bengals it's, are it's, terrible, and the Steelers are—it's dramatically injured at the quarterback. It's position. it's four, three very average teams, and one awful team. Boy, the Bengals are—they're—they're they're just they're—they're they're awful. So no, it's not time to panic. But I do think over this bye week period, that they sit there and just everybody just settled down. I mean, there is something, and Freddie Kitchens is exactly right to play with great passion. But keep your emotions in check. That includes receivers, and that includes a quarterback. If you do that, I think they have a chance. I just would love to see some willingness to change on their part, some admission of a necessity to do things differently like emotionally. I, I think they need to say there's some things we need to change in how we approach the game and how we play the game. You know, from a from an intangible perspective, they have the talent, uh, but I don't know. You know, they're like. I, Odell Beckham saying, no, oh, I like Baker playing the way he plays. I, you guys keep saying negative stuff about him. Look, look you can't well, control he, he, whether people say negative stuff about him, but he needs to stop punching down. To have to go after everybody who voices an opinion, it's just the, it's the chippiness of things that don't serve him. As I say many times, and you echoed it today, he devotes a ton of energy to things that have enough, have nothing to do with winning. So I watched, I watched Kirk Cousins uh, do a press conference, right? There's no quarterback that takes more heat from a local or national perspective than Kirk Cousins. Can't win the big one. It's awful. Uh, even Rick, for why, why? Why would you give that guy 84 million guaranteed? What you know? You can't. This guy can't get it done. So the last two weeks, all he's done is, is maybe been up for offensive player of the week the last two two weeks. And they were asking about it in the press conference, and he said, "Well, I have this." Uh, CEO perspective where I put on a suit every day, I come in, I look at everything, I prepare myself, and I do it the same way, and I don't look at the outside stuff. I can't because he has the courage at least to admit that if I read everything said about me or listened to everything said about me, that would affect me. I'm a human being, and that would affect me. So essentially what I have done is trained myself to keep my head down and not to make emotional 
decisions, not to listen to who wants the ball. I do this. I throw the ball to where I deem necessary, where I see the read where the ball needs to go. That's what I do. And I think and that Baker would uh, be wise if he would start to reevaluate his position just because you don't punch down or you're not answering every, every critic or you're not, you know, uh, getting emotional about what every, everything everybody says, good or bad. I think he would be a better player. I think he'd be so much better. So anybody that knows him or anybody that has an influence with him and say, look, you don't have to change your love or your passion for the game, but what you do have to do is just play the game and not play anything else outside of the game and just keep your emotions in check. And if you do that, it's going to serve you better, but more importantly, it's going to serve the team better. That's my free advice, Baker. Take it or leave it. Well, I love your suggestion about looking at Russell Wilson. I don't necessarily feel like it has to be Russell Wilson. Well, that's who he who he reminds. I've said Drew Brees. It's the, no, he's the more con- Russell Wilson. The Drew concept Brees. is to me what matters in every avenue of life. Don't we all feel like we can gain from emulating successful people? Right. Hey, I'd like to go here. This is where I'd like to get in my career. This is the kind of husband I'd like to be. The kind of father I'd like to be. Who do I look at as a role model? Baker is more of an I'm going to do it my way guy. It's always worked for me, and there's and that's great. It's always worked for you, but there's nothing, there's no weakness in admitting your weakness, and maybe there's something I can borrow from someone else. So I would like to see him look at someone who's successful, whose skill set matches his, yes. perhaps whose team matches his, and say, there's something I can learn from that guy. What can I learn yeah. from him? Yeah, and make it your own. It doesn't have to be... Russell Wilson's, you can still make it your own, but, um, you know, because I do think that if this continues, the interceptions continue, then you might have to, I, you might, if, if he keeps throwing three interceptions a game or he's got the worst quarterback or one of the worst quarterback ratings in the worst quarterback rating in the league and below 32 and there are only 32 teams. He has 11 interceptions. You cannot, you just can't, it can't happen. No, you can't. And so this bye week comes at a perfect time for him where he has to do a self-examination. And, and it's hard. And I'm not saying what he has the challenge. His biggest challenge is not physically, but it's mentally. He's mentally got to get himself back because no matter what he says in a press conference, you can't be the worst in the league in QBR, have 11 interceptions, and be, be full of confidence. Mm-hmm. Can't no be. I, I don't care You're what he says. You're delusional if you are, and yeah. I don't believe he is. He knows he has to play better. Now, I get some interceptions aren't his fault. It doesn't matter. It's still 11 interceptions. Yeah, it is. Uh, speaking of the Browns, uh, John Dorsey has given up on a draft pick that I panned when he made it. Number 33 overall. First pick of the second round, Austin Corbett, a guard. That's a starter. And, and I just said, don't pick a guard, 33. If you're not going to take if he's not uh, Quentin Nelson – then wait until the fourth, fifth round. You can get a guard in there. They didn't draft Austin Corbett to play right away. They drafted him developmentally, and you just said it. You don't draft a guy 33 developmentally. They got yeah. Nick Chubb a couple picks later. So they've given up on him. They traded him to the Rams for a fifth-round pick. The big news with the Rams, they acquired Jalen Ramsey for two number ones. How's his back feeling right now? Oh, it's Pretty good. It's, it's, he's, his back feels so good, he wants to load <laughs> piles and piles of Rams cash onto it and carry it out of their facility. 
Uh, so that's big news. And as we said, Marcus Peters goes to the Ravens. The trade I want to ask you about is the rumored trade. How would you feel if the Browns traded David and Joku to the Redskins for Trent Williams? Their offensive I'd take it tackle. all day. You would. Yeah, because I think uh, Njoku's a really good player, but I think you're getting production out of the tight end, but you have to say, what's my priority, right? Mm -hmm. What's harder to find, get production out of tight end or starting left tackle? I would make that trade. I wouldn't trade any future picks, like any first rounds. If you're talking about a head-up trade, Njoku for— You uh, wouldn't trade Njoku on a two or a three for Trent Williams. A one, you know, a, a two or a three I would maybe, plus Njoku. Um Look, I would, I would. Trent Williams is 31 years old, does have injury issues. He's a really good player when he plays. I might consider Njoku in a three, depending on how many threes I have. I don't know what I have in the, what they have in the, the holster there, but I know this: I wouldn't give him one for Trent Williams. Yeah. No way. So that's out there. Uh, may happen today. Would you to have happened? Yes. No, I wouldn't. I would not because you of trade Njoku for Williams. I would do that. Yeah. I wouldn't trade the one. No, a three. Would you give Njoku in a three? Boy, I really have to know what Trent Williams is physically because you look at, and I know they're not the same. Well, player, you're not. You're not going to pay. I mean, if you know, if he's not physically able to, if he doesn't pass your physical, then you know. yeah, the Bengals. I just look at Cordy Glenn and the Bengals, and I'm like, mm. yeah, I don't. I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> I mean, he's he must have some serious issues because well, he he's in concussion protocol. For about 10 weeks, so there's got to be something seriously wrong with him if you're in concussion protocol that long. Now, I know that there can be lingering effects from concussions, but usually we see a guy in concussion protocol at the most week or two, Three, right? Yeah, Three the, tops. Yeah, so I don't know what's going on. Hopefully he's okay. Okay, we typically are football heavy on this podcast, but uh, we do tackle life, and we uh, certainly keep our eye on uh, people who are um, lightning rods. LeBron James is a lightning rod. His history well-known with the Cavaliers, and now LeBron is at the center of the whole NBA China mess, which started with a tweet from Daryl Morey. LeBron was quiet for a week, uh, came out this week, and finally addressed it uh, in what I would argue is pretty clumsy fashion. Here is where the whole LeBron... Uh, digging himself in deeper things started. Uh, this is the spirit of his original comments on it about uh, Daryl Morey exercising his rights to free speech, which LeBron has done very often and is his right as an American, but this was a curious way to state. Just be careful what we, what we tweet and we say and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with that too. A lot of negatives that come with free speech. Um I I just think this is such an easy issue in terms of right and wrong. You don't have to be he, – he made a comment that Maury maybe doesn't understand the complexity of the situation. <laughs> if you look at the television screen and you see people in Hong Kong being beaten, if you have any familiarity with the history of China, with the fact that one million Muslims are imprisoned – uh, because there's no religious freedom there. If you hear their, I don't know what it is, their premier or whatever he is, yesterday say that... President Xi. President Xi say that the people of Hong Kong, their bones will be ground to dust. If you know anything about Tiananmen Square, uh, while you may love the money China puts in your pocket, I would hope that 
growing up in the United States of America and being, as he has said many times, just a kid from Akron, who's risen to be well on his way to being a billionaire and a cultural icon, that he would understand that the principles of freedom and uh, free market and anything related to the word free have played huge in his ascension from being just a kid from Akron to being a global icon. And he has always talked about the weight of his voice socially, and he has seemed to really understand the importance of his voice socially, which often I have not agreed with him on, but I would certainly uh, defend his right to say it. That's what's great about our country, our competing views. And for him to basically, it appears, be critical of Daryl Morey because Daryl Morey and his tweet got in LeBron's pocket, uh, I find highly disappointing, and I think it's going to damage his legacy well, going forward. What other thing that I think hurt LeBron was when he said how difficult their week was. Yeah, in the in, Shanghai <laughs> Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> Very that, difficult I mean, week. I mean that you know that's where somebody's got to say he's got to have a, somebody that you know evaluates before he tweets out because his voice is so powerful and what he does uh, say carries a lot of weight. I would say this: the honest answer and the best answer that LeBron could have gave, in my opinion, would be, "Look, uh, I understand the want for freedom for the people." in Hong Kong, and I understand the importance of free speech. So we're on a delicate balance here because we have a um, billions of dollars at stake with the Chinese market in the NBA. That's the reality. That's the truth of the situation. So, you know, it's we're trying to walk a fine line here of cutting a business deal with China and by the way, we still have to stand for American values, and that's free speech in, in, in Hong Kong. And then that's, that's the truth of it. This is all about, that's why Adam Silver came out. That's why uh, uh, other players, uh, the player from Turkey came out and talked about, he's been a citizen for a year, I believe. I and his canter. Yeah. How di- and that's what I would say is, is how disappointing it is that, the only, to my knowledge, NBA player or coach who has spoken plainly on the fact that freedom is not a compromisable standard yeah. is a native of Turkey. You know why? Because he's the only guy who's ever been threatened without freedom. Yeah. Well, that's true. And But, you know, I but do you understand what why the NBA maybe has their guys, hey, you might want to tap it down? I do understand it. But Doc Rivers said yesterday, he agrees with the spirit of Daryl Morey's tweet. Yeah. Look, I, again, here's my crisis management mode kicking in. I would agree that perhaps, I would agree that it's okay to have not said anything in China. Get everybody out, make sure everybody's safe. Had I, If I were Adam Silver, the minute the controversy started, the minute China started taking down the sponsorships and grinding the sponsorships off the floor, I would have said, we're going home. Yeah. We're going home. It's over. Because... Your base is the United States of America, and you've always been one quick to embrace your freedom to speak about President Trump or America or inner city issues or mm-hmm. whatever it is, and that's great. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Again, I can we can debate the specifics, but again, it's your right. People died so you would have that right. Mm-hmm. And for you to say, well, there's a lot of cash at stake, 
What price can you put on freedom? What price can you put on the lives of people who've given uh, given their lives? Gold star mothers. You tell a gold star mother, well, you know, oh, sorry, ma'am, you know, I got a lot of I got a lot of stake here yeah. financially. Like LeBron, you're fine financially. Pretty much every player in the NBA is fine financially. I just think it's a weak response, um, well, and and a lack of understanding of American values and what's precious to America. And boy, once you lose it, uh, you can't go buy it. Or the or the deflection of Steve Kerr, if somebody asks him about China, then all of a sudden is is going after his thoughts and yeah. feelings on the Second Amendment. Where he deflects, he doesn't answer yeah. on China, but he'll he'll go ahead and go after the Second Amendment and which is his right to and his belief. I believe that. I think also LeBron got in trouble because look, if you are going to have the freedom, and I'm going to have the freedom to say fight for life or. Uh, to keep God in schools or, or whatever, whatever, whatever cause that I believe in, then I I certainly give LeBron all the leeway to be able to do that. Uh, also, LeBron should give, what's it, Mornay? Daryl Morey. Morey. He said Morey should just go back to being GMing. Quit worrying about that. Just worry about GMing or whatever he said, which was a quote that I read from LeBron. Well, if you have that right to have a stance on China and what your belief is China is and what your belief in free speech is, certainly Daryl Morey has that same right to express his opinion. And you can criticize him all you want, but just because he expresses his opinion, uh, you can't tell him, shut your mouth and go back to GMing. No, he hated the shut up and dribble thing, and that was very inelegantly stated by yeah. Laura uh, Ingram. That was a you know, it's that's not her place to tell him to do that. No, uh, he has a right to speak, and uh, yeah. So and so anyway, that was his original comments. He came out yesterday and he doubled down on them, and I just found this to be He's gotta uh, let it go. Really, really disappointing. Imagine if someone said this to LeBron for something that he cared about. You know, when an issue comes up, if you feel passionate about it or you feel like um, it's something you want to talk about, then then so be it. Um, I also don't think that um, every issue should be everybody's problem. I don't think every issue should be everybody's problem. People being beaten in the streets, threatened with extradition to China where they're going to be imprisoned and killed, that's one of those issues that should be everybody's concern. Absolutely. <clears throat> I, I, I mean, again, I don't understand... It's simple. Uh, for me, it was simple and very simple to me is uh, the fact that I want to make sure I get this right because I the there is business to be had in China, but you do not compromise if you believe in freedom of speech. If you don't want to see people beaten and extradited to China, and or there, as President Xi said, as or Trump calls bones it, bones ground ground to dust. To dust then you certainly can speak up about that, especially if you have the voice and the power of LeBron James. And guess what? Um, um, sometimes do you compromise your standards or values? Are you going to kneel to your compromise of your standards and values? Are you going to deny? You know, you and I believe that we're going to be judged one day, ultimately, and we're going to stand before God, and he's going to ask you, did you deny me? Are you so? I mean, you know, are are we? Is, is it is it out of convenience where we stand for free speech, or we stand for people that um, 
can't stand for can't themselves. Can't stand for themselves. Or do we do it with sacrificial giving? I mean, everything, you know, sacrificial giving is the most difficult type of giving, in in my opinion. And so it's a, it's a delicate subject. I, I get what's at stake, but also, you know, you can't compromise your standard. No, you cannot. We encourage you to email the show. We love hearing from you. SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. See the guy from Barstool last night? That, uh, I did not. Dave Port, what's his name? Dave Portnoy. Yeah, Portnoy was on uh, a show last night, and Portnoy had got these T-shirts out <laughs> with, I, with I, LeBron. I, I cringe when with it's LeBron in in a, in, a, in a Mal pajamas. Oh boy, with a green hat on and the green pajamas, and uh, he says, "Look, hey man, I understand." He said this. I understand. There's a billion people over there to tap into for market. He said, "I don't care if the communists buy this T-shirt or the capitalists buy this T-shirt. Just buy the T-shirt." At least he was honest. At least he's honest, and that's what I think is really disappointing. Uh, it reminds me of the old joke. The NBA's response to this whole thing reminds me of the old joke where. The guy's talking to a woman, and he says, you know, will you sleep with me for a million dollars? And she says, sure. And then he says, will you sleep with me for five dollars? And she says, what do you think I am, a prostitute? And he says, we've already established what you are. We're just negotiating the price. <laughs> so that's they're prostituting themselves to China. They just are. So email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. The email of the day comes from Tom from Toledo. And he writes, a friend of mine is a huge Ohio State and Lions fan. He's always loved Chris as a player and a humble person. He's not a church guy at all, this friend of Tom's. He says his wife and daughter go to church, but he doesn't, at least not very much. Regardless, he's the most generous and giving person you'd ever meet, always giving of his time and resources. Uh, he says, uh, I sent your podcast to him, and he said, my friend sent me the following message. Quote, just wanted to say thanks for... Uh, finding my favorite podcast for me, Spielman and Hooley. Love everything they talk about. I even like the Christian aspect at the end of the show. So Tom writes, you are making a difference in people's lives with this podcast. Think about that when you have one of those days where you wonder if it is worth it, because it is. Well, good, because I had one of those days this morning as I'm driving out to the hinterlands. I figured you did. (laughs) I figured you did. I am occasionally. Uh, And then Tom asks a question. He says, how do you both go about reading the Bible? You both have things memorized, so you've obviously spent a lot of time doing it. I hear people say to athletes, you have to practice, but they never tell those athletes how to practice. Same with Bible reading and study. People say you have to read it, but that's a daunting task. Just picking it up and turning to any page doesn't help much, so how would you recommend people go about reading it? Well, there's so much information online, too, and I think one of the things on on bibles will have whatever your experience or whatever you're going through you can go back to the, was it the index or something where it'll it'll talk about i need strength yeah, subjects, yes. or there's apps out there bible apps that will talk about uh, uh where to find certain verses that you may like or that may be applicable to your life uh, anybody that has not read the bible i would suggest and this was just suggested to me i would, I would suggest to read the gospel of mark because it's the shortest (laughs) uh gospel and it kind of gets to the point really fast and it's probably the easiest to understand early on then you can start going back and forth through the letters and stuff and uh there's also a book uh called it's it's like a a bible for dummies thing Mm -hmm. but it's not but it's just kind of a breakdown so that's something for people to get started with, and it gives you an explanation. I actually did that uh, 
through, uh, I bought a book like that for the Old Testament because I had problems understanding how the Old Testament fits in, and uh, it really was helpful to me. Yeah, I would say, number one, one easy way, uh, the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters, and every month, except for February, you know, we'll have 30 or 31 days in it. So pick a chapter and read that chapter corresponding to whatever the date is, one mm-hmm. chapter a day, and ponder on those, uh, the wisdom in uh, that chapter of Proverbs. Another way, uh, instead of, you know, picking up a, a New Testament and reading, trying to read it through, pick a short book in the New Testament, if you're just starting out, a book like Colossians or a book like Philippians, and it's four chapters, like 100 verses total, mm-hmm. and read that chapter, that same chapter, every day for 30 days wow. and let that penetrate your mind. You'll prompt, you'll, you'll recognize the miracle of the scripture in that a lot of times something will stand out to you that didn't stand out to you the day before because yeah. of where you are. And the other thing would be get a Bible that has red print in the new Testament, the words of Jesus yeah. and read those words. You can't find a better um, role model than Jesus Christ another himself. Another th- for anybody else is uh, another one would be a, a study Bible, right? That will put things into context or what it meant at yeah. that particular time yeah. at the bottom of the pages. So whether it's NIV or whatever study Bible of your choosing. And the thing that I would say to encourage you is, Tom's right. It is a daunting task. I would equate it to driving a car. Uh, my daughter's got her permit. Chris's... Uh, remembers well when all of his kids started to drive. When you get your driver's license, I'm sure Chris didn't say, okay, you got your license. Why don't you drive downtown (laughs) through rush hour right now? Or why, hey, you got your license. Why don't you drive to California and go to the beach? You drive to the corner store and you drive back. And then there becomes a time where you're equipped to drive at night. And then maybe you're equipped to drive on snow and ice later on. It's a progressive thing. Same with the Bible. You know, you're, you're, given in a car a thing that can be used for good or can become a very dangerous weapon if you don't know how to use it. And the Bible and the truth of Scripture is the same way. So avail yourself of time to train on it. Uh, There are many, as Chris said, resources, Bible apps, great authors. And if you want to know authors we respect, Max Lucado, Charles Swindoll, pastors you can listen to on the radio. The resources are infinite for you to get help Lee, understanding uh, the truth of Scripture. Was it Lee? Lee, uh, Lee Strobel? Lee Strobel, A, a mm-hmm. Case for Christ, is really good. So it yeah. kind of breaks it down. C.S. Lewis, uh, Jesus is, I think, is Jesus is God, did a, a speech in, in Soviet Union, a little booklet mm-hmm. out there. Or, or no, it wasn't C.S. Oh, was it C.S. Lewis? I'm not Lewis? familiar with that one. It wasn't C.S. Lewis. It was... Um, Oh shoot, I forget it, but it's probably the best breakdown. And but uh, a lot of C.S. Lewis writings are really good too, yeah. and, and a lot of stuff in Lee Strobel's book, who was actually a, a journalist, one of your ilk, and, a, and an atheist. An atheist uh, set out to prove that Christianity was a falsehood. Ended up becoming a Christian after all his investigation, and it's like I always tell my kids, "Look, man, you know I'm not going to tell you." I mean, I'm going to tell you what to believe, but it's your job to find out why you believe it, not mine. Another great author who did the same thing, Josh McDowell. Yeah. Uh, Very good stuff. So a lot of resources out there, and we'd love to help you with it. Uh, Just get started. Uh, Don't waste a day because, you know, sounds dramatic, but you never know how many days you have. uh, I just want to do a little tease for Friday. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want to see if you believe this or don't believe this because— 
I do. Do you believe in angels? We'll let people know my answer to that on Friday. All right. Because if I answer it now, we'll go down a long path. And I'm not talking about angels of our loved ones. They're not angels because they're humans, and angels can't. But I'm asking, do you believe in angels? We'll give you my answer Friday. Okay. Looking forward to that. <laughs> it's great to have you back from Arizona. Great to have all of you with us. We appreciate you listening to the Spielman and Hooley podcast. Please review my podcast.com, Spielman and Hooley backslash, and uh, send us an email, uh, Podcast at gmail.com.